0: Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. It's a grateful heart that we stand before you in this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your mercy, for your word that is everlasting. Thank you for salvation that came. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may you always be glorified in this house and in our lives. May the power of your Holy Spirit always be with us and be upon us. Without this, we can do nothing. Lord, may you receive all the glory in this day. We humble ourselves before you and we pray, Father, that your word become revelation to us. That your Holy Spirit will open up the eyes of our understanding, enlighten us, that we may come to know you more intimately, all to the glory of the holy name of Jesus Christ. And we all agree and we say, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Ben, once again. Good morning to everyone. Good morning to our live stream audience. It's always great to be in the house of God. And you know, our faith is sometimes tested when we have to come to church, when the weather is like it is out there. But we've prayed for this, and it is God answering our prayers And we are truly grateful for this. If you look at the graphic behind, it is an image never seen before, recently provided by NASA. And this was taken by this new telescope, the James Webb. I've just getted my information correct. Yes, the James Webb Telescope. And this picture by the words of a research astronomer, says this. This is the most interesting image that we have ever received, never seen before. This image actually shows us the star formation in progress. It says the red dots that you see, they are newborn stars and they are only a few hundred thousand years old. This is God's creation. This is the God whom we serve. When we look at the world out there and what's happening in the world, and we focus our attention on this, then everything out there seems so small and insignificant. Who can claim that they know a God like this? Who can say that this is my God. Who can say that they can do this? We have this God. And you know of all the creation, the beauty that is out there that you see, that beauty of all that creation, when you look at the person right next to you or when you look at yourself in the mirror, we are the only creation created in God's image and His likeness. It means we look like Him, and He looks like us. It means we have His character, and He has our character. It means we are the closest to God in terms of how we look and how we act, concerning anything that was ever created before. Not even the angels in heaven. Not even the beauty of that constellation, which is called the eagle nebula in the constellation serpents. And they say this is about 6,500 light years away from us. This, through that infrared images that were taken, if you see this, how big and how great our God is. We cannot not have a heart or an attitude of giving thanks when you, when you look at this. And we are in this month of thanksgiving. And I love The fact that God gives us so much more than what we think about Thanksgiving. And I'm going to prove that to you this morning. It's always so powerful when you spend time in God's Word. And every single time you read it, you realize, Lord, how little do I really know? And it's my privilege to share with you what God is about to reveal to all of us through Thanksgiving. You know, in the book of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, God says this, Rejoice always. So there's a time connected to that, always. In other words, always we must rejoice. Then he says, pray without ceasing. In other words, there's time connected to this. In other words, without ceasing, we must pray. That means you must be in an attitude of prayer, without ceasing. And then he says in verse 18, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in everything. The word thanksgiving simply means having gratitude. Gratitude. If you just take that word gratitude, you can derive from that word, the word attitude. Attitude is in the word gratitude. It talks about having a great attitude. That is what thanksgiving is. You know, when we talk about thanksgiving, and the whole focus of this morning's prayer is not just about thanksgiving, but the specifics that I want to. But I'm just laying the foundation so that we can really understand what this word thanksgiving really means. When we come and give God thanksgiving, it means there's a shift of focus from us to Him. All the attention is moved away from our situations and circumstances, and it becomes focused on him. We cannot give thanks to ourselves. So we therefore when thanksgiving comes, when we show gratitude, when we have that great attitude, we acknowledge God. Thanksgiving sadly thanksgiving is almost lost in the culture of today. The culture that we have come to know in the last couple of years is a culture of I want. I demand, I am whatever I can be. If I decide I'm a dog today, I'll be a dog. That is what they're giving to the generation out there. This is the culture of today. We want, I want freedom. I want rights. I want to choose what I want to be, what I want to believe, what I want to become. Because I am my own God. This is the culture of today concerning Thanksgiving. There's nothing about giving thanks. It's all about what I can get, what I want. Because that supposedly should make us happy and fill us and give us a hope for the future. All of these things has got nothing to do with Thanksgiving. That spirit of Thanksgiving cannot be in a person who wants because the person who wants is not able to give. That is a fact. But we can't blame today's generation for that. We can't look at the youngsters and tell them, this is on them, this is what they've been doing. This is on us. We have allowed this to happen. Mothers and fathers, teachers, principals, educators, mentors, life coaches, business owners, leaders in government, that's on us. That the society today is one that just wants and doesn't know what it means to give thanks. We want people to give thanks to us, but we don't want to give thanks to someone else. For the Christian, we are the only faith, the only faith who wants to give thanks to a God. The rest of the world wants to receive thanks. They have all these sports events, all these entertainment events, Accolades being given and bestowed upon people. You're the best in this. You did the best in that. You are the greatest actor in this, the greatest sportsman, sportswoman in this. This is the team and this is the the one who's the best performer, the new young upcoming. We want to bestow all these accolades and acknowledgement unto mankind. And there's just not enough. There's not enough prizes and trophies for man to receive. And we bask in this because it's all about how we dress up. Let's watch it live. How many millions are moving in and to see who is receiving what prize? Who is receiving the thanks from fellow man? Because we love the adoration of man. Isn't that so true out there in this world? This is the only book that talks about the thanksgiving that doesn't come to man, but to a God, the one who creates this, It is a small thing for God to do this. It's a small thing for Him to do this. Gratitude. The person who is not able to give thanks doesn't know what gratitude is. In other words, do not have a great attitude. That person has got a very bad attitude. When God says in His Word, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in everything. We've got to use common sense here. God doesn't say we must give thanks when somebody robs us. God doesn't say, say thank you when you are in an accident or when your cell phone is stolen. The thanksgiving is the fact that you know that in that situation, We are grateful that there's a God who helps us, that is there to take us through that situation, to restore unto us what the enemy had stolen, and to give unto us what his perfect plan is, because he's able to turn all things around meant for evil, to turn it around for good. That's why we give thanks, because we know whom we have in every situation. And thanksgiving, studies were done on thanksgiving in the world and listen to what they have found. And this is interesting. Psychologists and professors got together and they found the following through studies that 81% of employees at work say that if their bosses display more gratitude and are more grateful towards them, says they will work harder. So for everyone who's a business owner, you have got the ability to encourage your people to work harder because 81% says that they will work harder if you display gratitude towards them. 53% of employees says this, that if their bosses display gratitude towards them, They will remain in that company. They will work longer in that particular company. It was found that when these tests were done, that all of those companies that display gratitude, if there's gratitude and and, and bosses being grateful in those companies, it was found that all of those people had far less stress levels and were far less um, um, impacted by depression two university professors from different universities in the United States, they did a survey, a test on a bunch of participants. And they said they're going to ask all these participants just to write one sentence, just to write one sentence on a piece of paper for a week in terms of how your life would be impacted. And they divided this group in three different groups. Group A was to write only about things that you are grateful for, just for that week, things that you are grateful for. Group B was to write anything that comes up in that week concerning what displeases you, what irritates you, what frustrates you. Group C could write anything that impacted them, good or bad, positive or negative. So these were the three groups. After 10 weeks, this was found, after 10 weeks, that group A who wrote about anything that they would be grateful for, this this is what's found. They were far more optimistic than any else of the other groups. And they felt better about their lives than most of their lives ever and better than all the other groups. Surprisingly, it was found that this group started doing more exercises and far less visits to the doctors. The proof is there that thanksgiving works in the world. And if we mix it with this word concerning thanksgiving, your life will change. There are countless examples in the word of God concerning people who gave thanks to God. Many, David, Moses, Samuel, Ruth, Naomi, Elizabeth, Mary, the disciples. Many people, there are testimonies upon testimonies. It's the only book in the world that has proof of thanksgiving that happened thousands of years ago, and our people's lives were impacted by this. I think of Paul. If there's anyone who would know the mercies of God, it would have been Paul. For God to take a soul and to move him to a pool took a great miracle. And no one knew that better than Paul. That's why you can understand Paul's thanksgiving. He realized it was a miracle of God that was needed to take the greatest persecution of the churches to become the greatest planter of churches. That you understand through his thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5 when God says this is his will for us who are in Christ Jesus that we rejoice always that we pray without ceasing and give thanks in everything. But that is all fine, and that's good to know. But we have to go and look at what is the standard of thanksgiving. What does God expect us in terms of thanksgiving? And you will be surprised. I was surprised. Because when we look at our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the example and the standard to hold on to, there are five specific occasions where he gave thanks, only five. One would have thought there, is so much, there were so much more occasions where Jesus would give thanks, but the Bible only records five occasions Now, when I say only five, it is specific why God chose to put those occasions in the Bible. Because in this, and you will discover this, that God had purpose with this. It doesn't mean it is the only time that Jesus gave thanks to the Father. It doesn't mean just because there are 30 odd miracles recorded in the Bible, these were the only miracles that Jesus did. And if you don't believe me, I'll take you to the book of John, you don't have to go there. I just want to prove to you. We have got no idea really how much our Lord Jesus did. The last chapter of the book of John and the last verse of the book of John, John 21, 25 says this. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This Bible doesn't contain everything that Jesus did. It contains everything for us to know who he is so that we will be saved. That is the power of this word. But you must understand, you don't see this in the Bible, but you know the creator of this. That's the power of who our God is. And Jesus, five times he gave thanks to the Father. And let's learn from how he did this. The first occasion you will find, and I'm just gonna go through quick verses so you don't, you just listen to me this morning because otherwise you're gonna change around in the Bibles and you're gonna be confused at some stage. So just trust me, what I read is in, is in fact true. Luke 10 verse 21. And just to give you some context here, Jesus sent out the 70 to go out to the various cities. Now they are coming back. And the word says, they were full of joy because demons were subject to them because of his name. They come back and they give this feedback to Jesus. And Jesus, after listening to them, speaking to them, then he says this to the Father. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit, Luke 10, 21. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and that you've revealed it to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Of the five occasions that Jesus gave thanks, this is the only time that he uses this word, giving thanks, in Greek, it means this. I fully agree with you, Father. I stand in unity. I concur and I agree and I consent that this is a good thing, that you have kept this from those who think they are wise and clever, but you've given the gospel to those who come with hearts like babes, believing, in other words, like a child does. And those of you who've had children, you would know when a baby is small, They do everything that you tell them to do. They trust in you. When you say it's time to eat, they will eat. When you say it's time to sleep, they go and sleep because they just have this faith in you. They trust in you. Their eyes are only upon you. They depend upon you for their safekeeping and for their well-being. This is the kind of faith that God was talking about here. But listen now, Jesus was rejoicing with the Father because at last, Salvation was coming to the, to the Jews, and they discovered the power of the name of Jesus. Because it says here in verse 17 of Luke 21, and let me read, because I, I, I see some of you are doubtful that the things that I say is actually true. So, so let me just read for you. Uh, Luke Luke 10, let me get, I'm in Luke 22, which is a further scripture I want to refer to just now. Luke 10, verse 17, it says here, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name, the name of Jesus Christ. They knew now. Jesus wasn't with them when they went to, this, to, 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 the, to these cities. These 70, when they were sent out two by two, Jesus stayed behind. For the first time ever, they experienced miracles without Jesus being present. And they only had to do this by one thing, the name. The name of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, Demons came out of people. People were healed and delivered and restored. God gives us a great key to the body of Christ. This is the first thing that Jesus teaches us with the thanksgiving. We have the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone, the Word of God says, everyone in the heavens above, on the earth, and the earth below is going to bow down on their knees and is going to confess that He's Christ. Who is we know who's in the heavens, that's the angels. We know who's on the earth, that's us. Who is down on the earth below, that's all the fallen angels and the demons. They too are going to confess that he is the Son of God. They are not going to get away from this. The power of the name of Jesus Christ had been given to us and now Jesus says to the Father, I fully agree with you. I consent with you that this is a great thing that my name is given, that by my name people will be healed, that they will be saved, that they will be delivered, that they will be restored, that you will have what you ask for by the name, the only name of Jesus Christ. That's the power that was given here. It says here, they came back with joy. And when Jesus says in verse 21, it says, And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. You know what that rejoice word means? It's that in the spirit, you jump. You jump because you are cheerful. Jesus was cheerful because he realized they now know the power of his name. And he wasn't there. Jesus doesn't have to be with you in your circumstances, in the physics but his name is enough for us. The second occasion and the third occasion where Jesus gave thanks, they are interlinked. The first one or the second one was when Jesus went to feed the 5,000. And the third one is when Jesus went to feed the 4,000. Now those are two definite separate occasions. And you will see the beauty of what God does here. In the book of John six eleven it says this and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks he had given thanks he had given thanks he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise the fish as much as they wanted on the occasion of the four thousand being fed there are various uh, well there are two 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 of the gospels talk about that I'll read for you out of Matthew five verse thirty six sorry fifteen verse thirty six. And Jesus took the seven loaves and the fish and he gave thanks. He broke them and he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. From here on in, in the next four occasions when Jesus gives thanks, he uses a different word. He uses the word Eucharisteo, from where we get the English word Eucharist. And this means he expresses his gratitude to the Father for being especially grateful. But I want you to get this, the first occasion where Jesus gave thanks, when the disciples came back, it was about something that had already happened. They came and they gave witness of this. Now, Jesus started giving thanks for things that are about to happen. He lifted up the bread, the bread didn't multiply, the fish didn't multiply, he lifted it up to God and he gave thanks and then he broke it and multiplication happened. This is the key today concerning thanksgiving. There is a thanksgiving that we come before God and we acknowledge God for all the things that He had done for us during the time or the ages. We are grateful. We have an attitude of gratitude for what He has done for us. But now, Jesus speaks future. There's a thanksgiving that we give thanks to God for the things that are coming, for the things that are about to happen. This kind requires faith. Jesus knew who he was, therefore he gave thanks by faith that the bread and the fish would multiply. And it was only when he broke the bread and the fish that it multiplied. But he had already given thanks to that. This is a different kind of thanksgiving. And this is the thanksgiving that God wants us to get into, because this thanksgiving talks about the future. It's all about thanking God for the promises that are still gonna come to me and to you. Of all the things that he says in his word, it is the only progressive future prophetic book written in the world that speaks about the tomorrows that come. If you wanna know what's gonna happen tomorrow, just page through this, just read this. You know everything about your future. Yet Jesus was saying, we must be grateful because the future that is coming means that the people that he so loved They're going to be with him. We must be grateful for the future, that Jesus is going to come back. We must be grateful because there's a promise that Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. And then when he is released, Jesus himself will deal with him and he will be cast into the lake of fire. I want to imagine a life where there's no Satan, no temptation, no sin, no wickedness in this world. We want to live this, but we can't think this way because we are just so constantly surrounded by this. God says, give thanks for this is coming. This is on its way. The promises of your future is on its way. Jesus is giving thanks. This thanks, it takes, nothing it it doesn't take faith to give thanks to God for what he has already done that's just a good attitude that's a heart of thankfulness but it takes faith to thank God for the things that are still coming the things that must still happen and here Jesus teaches us give thanks for it call it what you want And then it will be, because it's already written, that it is ours. It is ours what must come in the future. This is a small thing for him to do. And yet, God was so much more that he wants for each and every single one of us. Listen, I want to explain to you. This is the beauty of it. When you take the 5,000 and the um, 4,000, the two separate events... It is said of the 5,000, that 12 baskets was left over. And of the 4,000, seven baskets were left over. Listen to what God is teaching here. God was first, when when the 5,000, that was the first um, of the two events that took place, directly God speaks about salvation that is coming to the Jews. The 5,000, there were 12 baskets left. 12 referred to the 12 tribes of Israel. The 4,000, there were seven baskets left. The seven is referring to the seven Gentile nations that had to be destroyed. It was referenced to the Gentiles. In Deuteronomy 7, verse one and two, you read of the Gentile nations that were supposed to be destroyed by Israel, which they didn't do when when they went into the promised land. In Acts 13, 29, God refers to this as well. The bottom line is God is talking to two different crowds here. Previously, salvation was only gonna be for the Jews. He went out to the Jews, for them to come to the multiplication of the bread. Listen to what happened. The bread had to be broken. Jesus is the bread of life that was broken for us on the cross because through that multiplication would come and the whole world will know that salvation is ours through Christ Jesus. We are not excluded from this. And if you want further proof, just just listen to this. If you look at the word, the baskets that were used, collect the leftovers. The word basket used in the 5,000 multiplication account is a different word used in the baskets in the 4,000 account. I'm not going to give you all the Greek words. You can go and research that. The word basket in the 5,000 account is a word that's It's referring to a small rucksack that that Jews only used to put in clothes for overnight staying. But the word basket used in the 4,000 multiplication account is talking about a much bigger basket. The same word is used when Paul is um, laid down by a rope in the walls of Damascus, when he had to escape, Paul would become the apostle to preach to the, to the Gentiles. The baskets must be bigger for the Gentiles because there are far more of us than there are Jews in this world. And if you still don't believe me, just look at the word fish. The word fish that was used in the 5,000 versus the 4,000 are different words of fish. In the 5,000 account, referring to the, to, to the Jews, that word in the Greek means it is a small salted and dried fish. Only found in the Jewish region in Galilee. Then the word feast, ichthus, used in the other account is the word used for, it's the Greek word. That is, that is for feast used amongst the Gentiles. And if you still don't believe me, look at where these two accounts took place. The multiplying of the 5,000 feasts took place in Bethsaida, the Sea of Galilee. It's the Jewish region. The 4,000 account took place in the area of Decapolis, the 10 cities. In fact, the area of, um, um, what they call here, sorry, um, garrisons. that's related to the Gentile area. What God was saying in all of this, multiplication is coming. With the breaking of the bread. Because the word of God is going to be preached to the Jews. But I'm not excluding the Gentiles. It's coming to them as well. Bread was broken so that the word of God must be spread. And the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ, became the bread. He was glorifying the God and saying, thank you, Father. I am grateful that I am being used to Get our creation out there who looks like us, who's got our image and likeness, to present them with salvation as an option that none of them are excluded. That is the power of what Jesus did with the multiplication of the bread in both of these instances. And then we get to the fourth instance. Jesus now gives thanks. He appears before Mary and Martha and the crowd and Lazarus was about to be resurrected. And listen to what he says. John 11:41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank you that you have heard me." Jesus knew. The God would always hear him and always answer him. He knew that. By faith, he knew a miracle was about to take place. Listen now. The name of Jesus Christ in the first account was the one given to us, the power. Then God said, with the second and the third account of the multiplying, God says, well, the gospel is going to be preached to all of the world. And now Lazarus is risen from the dead. And God said, the time will come when we will also be risen from the dead. This was a forerunning of what was going to come for us and for Christ, who is the resurrection of the life. This is what God is teaching us. And then the last occasion where Jesus gave thanks is on that night with the Lord's Supper. And listen to what he says here. Luke twenty-two fifteen. 15. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That night they were made ready to have the last supper with our Lord Jesus. They didn't know that this will be an occasion that will be the institution of the communion. It was customary for the Jews to celebrate Passover. So they got together and they had Passover. Why Passover? It was a remembrance that God took Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. So that's, they commemorated this and they celebrated annually with a Passover meal. But now Jesus says, Passover was previously exclusive only for the Jews. Now Jesus comes and says, we're going to have communion. We're going to have communion now with the Passover. And he says in verse 19 of Luke 22, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the next verse, verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. The Passover was no longer exclusively just for the Jews. Jesus is saying here, I am about to become the Passover lamb for everyone, including the Gentiles. I've proven it through the breaking of the bread. The bread was broken with the 4,000 and the 5,000, and the multitudes were fed. The multitudes were fed with the word of God, but with the communion. Only those who are saved partake of the communion. Not everyone. Sadly, only a few will celebrate the communion because no unbeliever partakes in communion. It's only for believers because Jesus was already preparing us for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He was already doing this. Listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians 11:26. 26. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death Till he comes. This is what it is with the new covenant. It's based on better promises. We are all included now in the Passover. We celebrate that Jesus died for us. God didn't only deliver the Jews out of, or the Israel out of Egypt. He delivered us all out of the worldly Egypt. The Egypt of sin. And now he says, we celebrate this. But he says, we celebrate this till he comes. He's coming back. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And this is what Jesus is saying with the last thing. Thank you, Father, that I am coming back to my people. I'm coming to gather them with me, that they have a promise of a future. Only by faith we hold on to this. God summarizes the powerful significance of the life of Jesus Christ through this thanksgiving. And Jesus gives thanks to the Father because for all of us, there's a hope and there's a future. Our thanksgiving, and I'm closing off with this, our thanksgiving can never be just thinking of what God had done because that devalues the power of this word. That takes away a big part of what's in this word. Our thanksgiving is about what God is still about to do. The promises that lies ahead. All these miracles that happened, the the. the, the, the the Lazarus account. Jesus gave thanks before Lazarus came out. He knew that the Father heard him and the Father would answer him. We have the mind of Christ. Therefore, when we pray, the Father will hear us and he will answer our prayers. When we ask, Mark 11, 25, ask and you shall receive and believe that you will have it. God wants to give us what we ask for. This is thanksgiving. Getting what God has already promised, but we must speak it. We must give thanks for it by faith to receive it. This is what God wants for us as the world. Christians are the only ones who have this available to them. We have a future. We have a future. There is a thanksgiving that must take place for the things that must still come to your life. You must speak it. You must declare it. You must decree it in line with what God's Word says. This is the power of Christ, thanksgiving. Let's stand to our feet and give the Lord a praise offering. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. 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 When you come and you bring your thanksgiving this month before God, you have to pray about this. It is not about an amount. It's about who God is for you. But you've got to bring something to God. Discern what this is. In light of what had been shared, think of what a great God we serve. Come with that attitude when you come and you bring your thanksgiving. Let's raise our hands to the heavens. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that through your Son, we get revelation and truth and that in His thanksgiving, Lord, we want to mirror that, burden it, and birth it in our hearts that we come with that same gratitude of thanksgiving. We thank You, Father, for what You've done for us, and we thank You also, Father, for what You are still going to do for us. All Your promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. This we pray, Father, that You will release it from the heavens in this day upon Your people, upon Your flock, because we are now have been included and we celebrated this month with thanksgiving. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. We pray this in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we all agree and we say Amen. Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.